Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. In this series, The Church, an Ancient Future, we are casting vision for a future church that will be relevant in a changing culture by learning ancient truths from the early days of Christianity. For more information about Abundant Life, or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Well, what's up, Abundant Life? If you have a copy of God's Word, won't you find the book of Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be at this morning. My name is Chad. I'm so excited that you made the decision uh, to get here this morning. I'm excited about where we're headed in God's Word. Before we get there, I don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where you just kind of felt that gnawing sense of loneliness. Like, like have you ever been alone? And, and not just alone, like for a weekend, but I'm talking about day after day after day. I know for me personally, uh, there was a time in my life, I was actually in middle school, which is a lonely place just to begin with, right? I mean, just in and of itself. And I remember it was summertime and my dad, he was out of the picture. My mom, she was having to work a lot. And I just remember waking up day in, day out, and just feeling alone. Like there was only so much Crash Bandicoot I could play on the PlayStation, right? And I remember just calling people. I, I really didn't have any best friends that I got to hang out with all the time. Uh, we grew up out in the country, so we, we didn't have any neighbors around us that I could just go hang out at the neighbor's house and, and play like a, a middle school person would do. And I just remember being alone and, and like just having this sense of like, this, it, this isn't right. We are not meant to be alone. And maybe... Maybe that was my experience in middle school, but maybe you've come in here this morning and that's, that's your reality. Like, like you, you've come into this space and even though you're around a lot of people, there's this deep sense of loneliness. I, I know for me, like as I look back on that time, like I felt alone. I didn't have any close friends I could call and just like spend forever on the day, uh, uh, forever uh, all day on the phone with. And also like I just, I just felt like this sense of disconnectedness. And really that describes a lot of Americans' experience in life in general. But research is telling us that over half of Americans, 61% feel lonely. Over half of us. Other research goes on to say this, that 21%, almost a fourth of Americans, they have no close friends. And again, over half of Americans, 58%, research tells us, feels like no one really knows them. And if you're here and you're under the age of 35, then you fall into kind of a millennial Gen Z category. And, and here's what that means. According to research, you're the loneliest. Now, what's ironic is this, is that there's this paradox that we are more connected than we've ever been. Like we've got more devices, more social media things, more opportunities to connect with people than ever. But the paradox is this, we are more connected than we've ever been, but we're lonelier than ever. And, and this, is, this is really something that's plaguing society and create, creating all sorts of problems in the world today. That loneliness, some doctors call it a pathology. A former surgeon general named Dr. Vivek Murphy, or Murthy, he said this in a, Harvard, in a Harvard Business Review. He said that during my years of caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was not heart disease or diabetes, it was loneliness. The community, the doctor community and the, sociolo the sociologists, everyone's saying, and then our own experience is this, we, are, we, don't, we don't do good alone. And if you're here and you're alone, this is not what you were made for. 
And then we look at the Bible and we see how God designed everything in Genesis. That there's this rhythm in Genesis where God said something, it was, and then he says, that's good. Like God said ocean, it was, and he says, that's good. He said elephant, it was, that's good. And then he looks at man all alone, and for the first time on the pages of Genesis, before there's ever any problems in the world, God looks at man alone and he says that it's not good. And it scratches the record, so to speak. And what we're seeing is that God designed us for community. Now, I I did a lot of research in the Hebrew, which is the language that Genesis was written in, and I really tried to figure out, like, what exactly does it mean? And and here's what I I found out. It's not good to be alone. (laughs) And oftentimes, we'll look at this verse and we'll think, okay, well, that's why Adam needed Eve and that's why we all need to get married. That's not the bigger principle here, okay? That if you're single, you're a whole person. If you're single and you're alone, then you don't need to try to find a spouse immediately, okay? You need to find community. If you're married, you need to find community. Wherever you're at, you need to find community because what we see is that God is not trying to build families per se. He wants to build families so that he can build his kingdom. And what it means when God says, hey, it's not good for a man to be alone, God has a mission for Adam to accomplish. And we cannot accomplish our mission consolo, all right? We need one another. And so God's saying it's not good for a man to be alone because I have a mission, and the mission is to build his kingdom on earth. And Jesus steps onto the scene some years later, and he says that the kingdom that I'm establishing on the earth is going to be the church. And that Jesus steps onto the scene, and he says that you need to come together in community and build the church that I gave my life for that God, he has a mission for us, and we can't build the kingdom alone. But what does that kingdom look like practically? Well, we're working through this series called The Church, An Ancient Future, where we're retracing the steps of the past in order to determine our path in the future. And this morning, if you're taking notes, I've titled the message, The Church, A Community in an age of individuality. And what I wanna do is I wanna look at the first church and see how they were growing, how they were going, and what God was doing. So in the book of Acts is where we get the snapshot of the establishment of the church. That Jesus, he's already lived his life, died on the cross, rose from the grave, and then you had these 120 people that were waiting on the Holy Spirit to fill them. Holy Spirit fills them, and then you have this guy named Peter who went from zero to hero to zero to hero and back and forth. And then he stands up filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches at the first church service, and thousands of people surrender their life to Christ. And this guy, Luke, he was a doctor, and he's just kind of recording what happened throughout all of these things in the early church. And what happens is that this church is birthed. And if you've come in here and when you think of church, you think institution, you think buildings, you think libraries and all of that stuff. The church is not a building. The church is a body. That the church is meant to be a group of people that are following Jesus together. And maybe you've come in here and you really don't know exactly what the people that are following Jesus together, what they do. And I wanna look at God's word and see what these people did as an example of what we should do as well. And here's what it says in Acts chapter two, starting in verse 41. It says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized 
And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And so, like, in an instant, we have a mega church. You know, some people, when they think church, they think, man, it, it's too big, it's too small, whatever it is. But what we see is that when the movement of God starts to move through a population, then you see people surrendering their life to Christ. And so, thousands of people coming to Christ is not a bad thing. It's actually a biblical thing. Here's what it says in verse 42. This is what they were doing that they continued steadfastly. Some of your translations say that they devoted themselves, and here's what they devoted themselves to, or they, they were steadfast in, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, you could write this down, a church that is growing. A church that is growing. That Luke, the guy that wrote this, he's telling us what this first church did. Now, this is a descriptive text, not necessarily a prescriptive text. What I mean by that is that Luke is just kind of describing, and the Bible's just describing what this first church did. It's not prescribing that this is how every church everywhere at all times should do their thing. But I would argue that if a church is not doing these things in some form or some fashion, then it's not really a biblical church. That if you want to grow God's way, then we need to do these things that we find in this first church that was growing. And it tells us that they were devoted to these things. What are you devoted to? I know in, in my life, I've been devoted to a lot of things that don't matter. I've, I've given my time, my energy, my effort to hobbies, to games, to video games, to endeavors, to all kinds of stuff that just don't matter. And I don't know about you, but I want to devote my life to things that are going to matter in the long run. And what God, the designer of the universe, what he's saying that I have come to build is my kingdom, i.e. the church, and it is a great use of my life to be devoted to what God is devoted to, and that's the church. Uh, and so for me, like I told you in, in middle school, I was super lonely that summer, and then I just kind of fumbled through life, and I fast forward a little bit, and, I, and God begins to work in my life as a teenager, and, and I start driving. My family at the time, they didn't really go to church consistently, and, and so I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to be the man that God wants me to be, maybe I should go to the place that God is trying to build and so I thought, okay, I need to go get around God's people at a church. So I start beginning to devote myself to the church. And man, I found some amazing things. Like I didn't just become somebody that was fully sold out to following Jesus. It was one step at a time of me going to a church consistently, me listening to the teaching of, the God, of God's word, me meeting God's people and beginning to have relationships with them. And, and my father, he wasn't a great spiritual leader, but I found a spiritual father in the church. I didn't have a lot of great spiritual friends that were trying to follow Jesus and chase after darkness and, and, and push back the, the kingdom or push forward the kingdom of God and, and push against the gates of hell, but I found those men in the church, and I found so many things that God, that God wanted to bring in my life, and I began to devote myself to what God was devoted to. What are you devoted to? Is church just kind of something you do? Is it a pastime? And here's what I know to be true. If you want God to work in your life, you got to be devoted to the things God's devoted to. Like, I think some people will think, well, I could, I, I'm in love with Jesus. I just don't like the church. And I've heard that before, and I'm like, oh, I just don't think that would sit well with God. That, that would be like you saying, man, I, Chad, I really like you, but I just, man, your wife, she's crazy, you know? And I'd be like, well, then we're not hanging out because her and I, we're kind of a package thing, right? Augustine, a famous African theologian, he said this, that you can't have God as your father and not have the church as your mother. 
And what he's saying is that when you survey the scripture, you can't say, man, I love God. I love God. I just don't love the things he loves. I'm devoted to God. I'm devoted to God. I'm just not devoted to the things he's devoted to. What are you devoted to? The men and the women in this first church, they were steadfast and they were devoted to these things. It wasn't just something they did from time to time. It was really who they are. And here's what I know to be true. If you claim to follow Jesus and you're not devoted to the church, you're not devoted to his people, you're gonna struggle. That oftentimes in my life, my experience has been that when I'm isolated, that's when I'm the closest to Satan. Because Satan feeds on the faith of the lonely. Just like a lion that's hunting. It never hunts the one that's in the middle of the pack. It always hunts the straggler. And if you're here and you're not connected, I'm not talking about if you're attending, if you're watching online and tuning in, I'm not talking about if you're at a Blue Springs campus or Independence campus and you're just kind of, you're just there. I'm talking about are you connected? Are you devoted to these things? Just because you attend a church doesn't mean that you're connected. So this church, man, they continued steadfastly. They were devoted, and we need to be devoted to the things that God is devoted to. In a growing church, you gotta be devoted. You gotta go all in. And what are you going all in on? Well, it tells us here that they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. And that's what we know as the New Testament, that, that we gather regularly to open up God's word, and then, and then we allow God's word to speak into our life, that, that we stand unapologetically on the authority of God's word that this is the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God, every jot, every tittle. And, and by God's grace, we will not compromise from and back away from God's word. That we get together and we are devoted to the apostles' doctrine or the Bible. And so the reason why we're fired up about this thing, walking through line by line in First Peter most recently, and then teaching biblical truths about how the church is supposed to be in this age is because we are committed and devoted to the word of God. We're also devoted to fellowship, that we want to have intentional time with Christ followers where we're spending time with one another encouraging one another, opening up the word of God and allowing this thing to get real in our life, praying for one another. And this is what we see in this church, that they were breaking bread. This is a way of saying they were celebrating the Lord's Supper, that we, from time to time, we remember as a group on every campus, we remember the Lord's Supper. And what they're doing is that they're devoting, they're saying, we want to think about and we want to recall how Jesus' body was broken for us, how his blood was shed for us. And we want to celebrate the salvation that has come through the sacrifice of Jesus. They were devoted to the, the, the Bible, fellowship, breaking of bread and to prayers. This is where we open up part of the worship service and we invite people in this campus and hopefully at every campus to say, hey, we have people here that wanna pray for you, that we wanna ask God, would you move mightily in this situation, that we wanna praise God for the way that he's done these things in people's lives, that we wanna pray. And this is what a church that is growing does. So if you wanna grow, this is how you grow God's way. I don't know if you know this or not, but when we get together in regard to leading abundant life, we're not like thinking, you know, how could we get bigger? How, how could we grow this church in, with, with numbers? No, here, here's what we're doing. We're praying and saying, God, would you help us to be faithful followers of you? Opening up this Bible, reading it and saying, okay, how can we teach this thing? Because we're not trying to build a big church. We're trying to build a biblical church. And if it grows numerically, praise God, but that's not the end. That's not the goal. The goal is to be found faithful to the word of God. And we wanna be devoted to these things. 
And maybe, maybe you've come in here and, and you're, you're kind of observing. Maybe you've come in here this morning and you're, you're kind of tuning in. I would just say, man, if you know Jesus or you're, you're wanting to know Jesus and you're just kind of observing and you're just kind of tuning in, it's time to lean in. And if you're in Kansas City area, if you're watching this, or maybe you're at the Blue Springs campus or the Independence campus, or you're right here at the Lee Summit campus, and you're like, man, I, I've just been praying for a sign. Like, I just want God just to show me, God, where do you want me? I'm, I'm isolated, I, I'm lonely spiritually, and I need to find a biblical community. I need a sign. I, well, I got you. Here's a sign right here. So we do this thing called Dinner with the Pastors, and... Um, God gave you a sign, all right? And um, so if you're here checking out Abundant Life, oftentimes I'll meet people and I'm like, man, it's kind of like a small town, you know, at, really at every campus. It's, it's a big place, a lot of people. So how do, you, how do you get connected here? Well, this is a great first step. And about once a month, we get together on a Sunday evening and we just have a meal with, with whoever is seeking to get connected at Abundant Life. And we would love for you to join us. So you can just go to the website and sign up for dinner. We would love to connect with you. Or, or maybe you're, you're tuning in and you're not in the Kansas City area and you're watching online right now and you're like, man, I would love to make it, but I'm in, I'm in Iowa or I'm in Maine or I'm in Tennessee. I, I can't make this happen. Well, here's what I would encourage you to do, that you would begin to pray and say, God, how would you want me to leverage my influence to gather people in my home so that I can be a part of a growing church? that God has not designed you just to tune in and to watch all by yourself. God has designed you to look around and say, who can I invite in so that we can be a growing church, so that we can pray for one another, so that we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together, so that we can get around the Word of God together, and that you would begin to pray and say, God, how would you use my living room? How would you use my house? Or maybe you would pray, God, how would you use my barn? Pastor Phil is actually with our online campus pastor up in Cedar Falls, and this is what a group of people did up there. And Some of y'all have heard a little bit about this, but they're actually there this morning tuning in and worshiping online as a part of our online campus. Y'all check out this video. Hey, Abundant Life, meet Abundant Life, Cedar Falls. Yeah. Right here, yeah. This is so exciting to be up here with our house church in Cedar Falls, Iowa. The Price family renovated the family barn on the family farm to start having church right here with Abundant Life. And this is a new move of God. We're simply joining where God is going at Abundant Life. Check this out. For years and years, the church in America tried to grow bigger and hopefully by getting bigger, it would get stronger. I'm convinced the way forward is that we're going to grow smaller thereby growing stronger. And this is what we learned from the ancient church, that they weren't just joining together corporately and big mass of people listening and then leaving. They were deeply connected in community. You can see that in Acts 2. You can see that in the years ahead after the fall of Rome with the instability and the insecurity that that created in the known world that actually began the monastic movement. And this is when the monasteries began to pop up all over the known world at that time as believers began to band together in little bands all over the known world. Now, that was an inward movement. There was no great commission vision to take the gospel to the nations. That's not what we're trying to do. But it does show us a path forward into the future as we look past. In this age of instability, 
And that's what COVID has created, more uncertainty. It's more important than ever that you band together with groups of believers like this one, wherever you are in the world. And the good news is because of modern technology, you can be a part of abundant life. Our church family from hundreds of miles away. And we have Kyle Worsham now. That is our online campus pastor. If you want to know more about what that would look like, having church in your home with other believers from your area, deeply bonded in Christ and reaching your community, not just looking inwardly, but outwardly, reach out to Kyle this week and he'll tell you more about it. You can find him on our website at livingproof.co. We're going to send it back to Chad right now. Well, hey, let's clap it up for our online community. We are standing with you, celebrate with you. Let's go, man. It's amazing just to see and just to think about the untapped potential of what God would do as people begin to see their living room as a, a space where they can gather people and be the church. The church isn't bound to some spiritual building. There's not some special brick and mortar that we put around here that, that welcomes the Holy Spirit in here, okay? And so like the church is meant to be a group of people that are growing that are doing the things that we see in this first church. And if you are a part of our online community and you wanna to begin to think, okay, what does it look like for me to, to not just tune in, but to lean in and become a, an online campus, go to our website, livingproof.co slash online. All right, let me say that again, livingproof.co slash online. And we would love to follow up with you and begin to come alongside of you and equip you to turn your living room into a gathering space where people can grow in their faith like we see in this first church. We, we gotta get involved, y'all. If you're here and you're spiritually lonely, we, we got a church that's alive. And, and there are people here that are seeking to follow Christ. There are spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers here. There, there's a vibrant community of Christ followers. And if you're just watching that, it's time to get involved. Like listen, Jesus didn't die. He didn't rise from the grave just so that you could just have forgiveness with him and be okay as an individual. He died so that you could have forgiveness with him and then get connected into a body. And if you're here and you're a part of the faithful people of God that have been devoted to these things and you've been steadfast in these things, Keep going, let's keep running, let's keep being faithful. And if you're here and you're stagnant spiritually, you're isolated, you're not into community, you've just been kind of tuning in, you're going to the Blue Springs campus, sitting in the back and just kind of observing, you're going to the Independence campus and just kind of sitting and observing, you're in the Lee Summit campus, you're just sitting and observe. it's time to lean in, it's time to get connected. You cannot be all that God's created you to be alone. We need to be a part of what God's fired up about. This church, it's growing. They're, they're devoted to these things. And, and what we see is this church isn't just gathering regularly and doing these things and growing spiritually. This church is also a going church. Like the church is not meant to be this static thing. It's an organized organism. It's a movement. It's a life. And we see that this church was devoted to these, these things. But then we also see that they went out and they did some things. Here's what it says in verse 43. <clears throat> it says, then fear came upon every soul. Now, this isn't like, like I'm, I'm afraid, like that neighbor that has all the really scary Halloween decorations in their yard. You know who you are. Like, where did you get all that stuff, right? Like, it's not like scared like that. This is more like, as some of your translations say, that all came upon people. 
Like that they were, they were amazed at the movement of God. There were things happening that they couldn't really explain rationally. They're like, man, we don't know how thousands of people came to Christ. We don't know how they heard the gospel in their own language and dialect. That, that we, just, we just preached and then something happened. We can't explain it. We can't deny it. And they were all just amazed. And, and it says that this, this all came upon them. This fear came upon them. And it says this, and that signs, excuse me, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And they were praising God and having favor with all people. And it says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Point number two, if you're taking notes this morning, you could write this down. A church that's going. A church that's going. Luke, the guy that wrote this book, he's telling us what happened with the first church. That they were a growing church, but they were also a going church. Again, the church isn't a building. It's a body. And bodies are meant to move and to go. And so we gather here weekly. We tune in and we gather at every campus to be reminded of where God is leading us, but then we stack hands, break the huddle, and we go charge the world, and we scatter and we live out the mission of God, that the church that's growing is also a church that's going, and what we see is that this church, they were going out and they were doing ministry. It says that they were, they were having many wonders and signs done through the apostles. Now, real quick, I think a lot of people will fall in one of two categories when it comes to this type of thing. There's one category that says, well, this was just an apostle thing, and, and, and no longer do we see God move in a miraculous way. And, and this category is called cessationalist. They believe that the gifts of God, that the miracles of God have ceased. So we, we really don't fall there. And then there's another group of people that says, well, just like the early apostles, those that established the church, we have a new apostolic age, and we can all go out and just do everything that the apostles were doing. And I would say we don't land there, that there was something unique happening as God was establishing this movement. And we say, we say this, that we don't believe that God ceases to do the miraculous. We pray. We ask that God would move mightily. And we also observe that God is moving mightily and that he's done miracles in my life and he's done miracles in many people's lives. But we also don't say that every time I pray, God moves. He does the miraculous. That would be as arrogant as the rooster saying, every time I crow, the sun comes up. God is God, and God does what he will do. We ask him, we ask him believing by faith. But in the end of the day, we are not God. God is God. And we come to him as dependent, needy people. And we say, God, would you move? We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we see. This church, they were going out and they were doing ministry. Ministry is not just something that I do. It's not just something that Pastor Phil does. That ministry is, is a part of the birthright of the believer. That God wants to use you. No one's corn, corn, cornered the market on the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit is available to all. And what we see is that the Spirit of God, it, it falls upon these people. They go out and they do the work of God. Who's the minister here? You are the minister here. And we want to release you into the world, and we want you to go and to do ministry. That's what this church was doing. They were doing ministry. They were also living generously. It said they had all things in common. Now, this isn't communism or socialism, but this is familial language. This is when somebody has a need in the body, we seek to meet that need. I saw this play out just a few weeks ago. My daughter had a, she had a really, really difficult surgery. And, you know, we were going to be in the hospital for a few days, and then she was bedridden and, you know, no, no activity for 
a few days and then a couple of weeks. And I just saw the church begin to sacrifice money, time, energy, effort, so that they, would, they, they came around my family. And I saw the generosity of God's people on display. Like they were fattening us up with all kinds of food, y'all. Like, just, like my love language was just being met, right? I felt like I was a, a cow at a feedlot out there, like, you know? And, and then they were also giving my daughter gifts, like these little toys and things just to bless her, just to say, hey, we're here, we love you. And I could go on and on and on about other stories where we've seen the church go out and live generously. And this is what the church does. They were doing ministry, they were living generously, they were walking in unity. It says they were together with one accord, that they, it says elsewhere that they continued daily, that they were, they were together, they were together, they were together. That this early church, they weren't a divided church. They were together. We were in Oklahoma this weekend and we had a fire pit. It's fire pit season. I love a good fire pit. And we got the wood and we had the fire pit and everybody's sitting around and all the kids are playing with the fire and I'm telling them they're gonna wet the bed if they do that and you know, and, and I'm just, we're just doing all the stuff, right? And, and, and then like when it was time to go inside, we did what you do in a fire pit. You, you have to spread out the logs, right? You have to spread out the embers because if you leave all of the embers together, those embers are gonna, they're gonna heat one another up and the fire's gonna stay active and it could get dangerous. The point I'm trying to make is this, is that if we're gonna be a fire, and if we're, gonna, if we're gonna be a force in the hands of God, we've gotta be like those embers and we've gotta stick together. That the enemy knows that if he can divide us, then it will snuff the fire of God out in our life. And we've gotta move in unison. We can't let political ideologies, we can't let philosophies and fake theologies and all of the stuff that is seeking to divide us, but we come together and we say, God, would you unite us? And then we live out in unity the word of God and the way of God. And this is what we see this church doing, that they were walking in unity, and also they were living in community. That they were going from house to house, breaking bread. What this means is that they were getting together as followers of Christ, and they were living out what Christ has called them to live out. If you're here, and you think that this is the expression of church at Abundant Life, where we just come into this big space, or at this campus, or if you're watching and you're all alone, we wanna, we wanna help you get into community so that you can take this, this big gathering and you can be known by some people. And we do this thing a few times a year called Group Connect, and last week I was at the Blue Springs campus and we got to get together with dozens of people that are saying, you know what, I, I, I wanna get involved. I don't wanna be spiritually isolated. I don't wanna be spiritually alone. I wanna go all in. And so they begin to go to this thing called Group Connect where they sit at tables and we cast vision for what it looks like to, to do life together. And people took their next step. Maybe some of you, you need to sign up to be a part of a group. And this is what this church was doing, that they were, they were growing and they were going. They were getting in people's homes and they were, they were uh, talking about the word of God and they were building biblical community. And then it finishes up in verse 47. It says they were praising God. And it says that the Lord added to the church daily, those that were being saved. The, the people of God, we, we sing, we praise God, but then we also, we go out and we share boldly. That the way God was adding to their number was that people were gathering with other believers and then they were going to their places of work, their places of recreation, their places of influence, and they were sharing the gospel. That a church that is going is one that goes and shares the hope that is in Christ. We're doing this thing called Live Sent Week. 
and you can get more information out in the lobby space, but what we're inviting people to do is to go to different parts of our city and to verbalize the gospel and to share the love of Christ. So there's this class that's taking place with the church members that are actually leading Live Sent Week. They go through this eight-week class where they learn about how to share their faith and they learn about how to interact with different people groups and things like that. Well, a couple of weeks ago, one of our guys on staff, a guy named Luke, he was teaching and really he, he didn't prepare a whole lot. And so he was supposed to teach for like 90 minutes, but he just showed up and he only had about 10 minutes of stuff prepared. And I was like, well, what, what's that about? He goes, well, I figured that we're in about week six of this thing or week five of this thing. People have learned a lot about how they should share their faith. So I'm just gonna teach them for 10 minutes and then I'm gonna give everybody an hour to go find somebody to share their faith with and then we're gonna come back and talk about it. And there was a person in the, in the uh, class and I don't think they've ever done this before. And she was like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have come. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have, I, th this was a bad idea, you know. But when that healthy pressure was applied, this person went out and they did what Christians have been doing for thousands of years. They opened their mouth, they shared their faith, and when they came back, that whole group of people came back and they began to process, what did you learn? Typically, here's what I find, your greatest accomplishment is right near your greatest fear that you overcame. And when we put ourselves out in boldness for Christ, God moves, and typically the greatest move is what he does in you. And then oftentimes he will allow you to be right there when somebody says, yes, I need, I need forgiveness. Would you tell me more? What would it look like if we begin to do the things that this church did? What would it look like if we did ministry, we lived generously, we walked in unity, we got in biblical community, and then we shared boldly? These people did these things. And the reason why we have an abundant life today is because they were faithful in their day. And we're retracing the steps of the past so that we can get vision for the future. And God is not calling us to do anything new. He's calling us to be faithful to what men and women have done historically, but it's our time to do it. See, we wanna be a church that is committed to these things. We don't wanna be a church that just gathers people, studies the Bible, and then never does anything about it. Like I think Satan would be okay if you knew a bunch of Bible verses, but you didn't have a bunch of obedience. Like I think some of us, we need more obedience than we need more truth. That some of us, we have more truth than we can obey, and we need to live this thing out. And a growing church is a going church. And we wanna be a church that makes an impact. I think for some people, they would kind of look at a church like ours and they would say, man, that's an influential church. And we wanna be a church that has influence, but more importantly, we wanna be a church that makes an impact. And so several years ago, we began to pray, God, would you help us to be faithful to follow you? And God drew people to Lee Summit and we have a Lee Summit campus with a lot of influence. But we just really believe that God has more influence for us and so we divided our body a little bit here and we said, hey, there's some people in Blue Springs. I see you, Blue Springs. There's some people in Blue Springs that are gathering and we wanna grow the body of Christ there. And so we have a Blue Springs campus and now we have more influence, but we, we still want more influence. And so we started a movement in independ, independ, independence. <laughs> I see you, independence. 
And we started this thing in independence and God gave us more influence, but we're saying, God, I think that you have more for us. And so we have started these other movements in Cedar Falls and in Tennessee and all over the, 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 the nation and the globe and God's expanding our influence. And oh, those are people that left the church. I'm gonna, we'll get those later. All right. God is expanding our influence. That's all right, we ain't mad at you. And many people would go, man, that's the goal. We want to be a really big church with a lot of influence so that when Pastor Phil gets on Instagram, people like it. And when Pastor Phil posts a video on Facebook, it goes viral. And, and, when, and when we do something as a church, it's big and we have a lot of influence. We have a lot of followers and a lot of people. And, but when you read the Bible, the Bible really is not concerned about being a church that just gathers a lot of people in a place so that you can celebrate its influence. Like Jesus calls us the salt of the, wor of the world. And, and here's what I know to be true, like th the salt that just sits in the salt shaker, it has a lot of influence, it's got a lot of potential, but it's not doing what it's supposed to do. You gotta turn the salt shaker upside down. And if we're gonna be a church that moves from being a, a church of influence to a church of impact, we gotta take all of the people that we're gathering and we gotta say, your job is to scatter. Your job is to go into the world. Your, God, your job is to grow and then go and tell the world that there's a, a, a savior. Your job is to go and to be the ministers and to meet the needs, to live generously. Your job is to go into the world and to, to get in community, to walk in unity. Your job is to go into the world and praise the Lord. Your job is to go into the world and live boldly, that if all we do is gather here, yeah, we got a lot of influence, but our job is meant to be to scatter, to go to your workplace, to your homeschool group, to your, to your schools, to wherever you're at and you carry the message of Christ and you carry the work of God into your world. That's what our roots are, that we're called to go. And God wants to work mightily on your behalf. But, but how? How do we do that? Like the, the church, it got its start. Like how did it grow in such a way that we're here today? Like what was their secret sauce? Well, their secret sauce was this that they had the Spirit of God, that 120 people they gathered, and they said, God, if you don't move, then we're toast. And they were desperate for God to move before they ever did anything for God. And the secret sauce to their success was the Spirit of God, and that still is the secret sauce today. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, a church that is grounded. A church that is grounded. See, our roots are not in the wisdom of man, but in the work of God. This early church, they had a vision from Jesus that said, you're gonna be my witnesses here, there, and the world. You're gonna make disciples here, there, and everywhere. And they're thinking, the world? How? And he says, I'm gonna give you the power that you need. That they got this vision that demanded God's intervention and it kept them in a place of desperation. That they knew God and they wanted to be used by God. Maybe you've come in here this morning and you don't know God. And when, when I talk about loneliness, there's, there's a spiritual loneliness that just kind of gnaws at you. And, you. and you know that if you were to die today, you know that you don't know what would happen. And the gospel tells us what these people were so fired up about is, is that, that Jesus came and he was in perfect community with God 
but he chose to be isolated. He chose loneliness so that we could be brought in, that Jesus on the cross, he absorbed the wrath of God and he was cut out from the community of God so that we could be brought in to God. And that Christ, he took our sin, he took our shame and our blame. And when we put our faith in him, we receive his righteousness, we receive his welcome, and we receive his community. And that the gospel tells us that Jesus died for us, but then he rose from the grave. And that Jesus is the Lord of all. He calls all men everywhere at all time to repent and to trust in him. And, and, and he doesn't just forgive your sin, but he also gives you a future. He doesn't just pardon your sin, but he also gives you the power to follow him. And the church got its start when 120 people believed and they saw that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave. They believed that he did this on their behalf, and then they desperately waited for the Spirit of God to move. Now, there's this irony in the Bible that I find to be a little bit perplexing. And the irony is this that Jesus, when he resurrected, revealed himself to over 500 people, 1 Corinthians says. But only 120 were waiting for the Spirit to fall. And the irony, what perplexes me, is what happened to the, to the 380? Like if you saw Jesus resurrected, wouldn't you want to believe everything and be a part of what he's doing? And I think the answer would be a, a resounding yes. But that's not what we find here, that the majority of the people they weren't desperate for God to move. And I don't know why they didn't show up, but maybe they got busy. The reason why I believe that is because there's been times in my life where I've been too busy to follow Jesus. And here's the conclusion I've come to, that if I'm too busy to be a Christian, I'm too busy. And maybe the reason why you're not desperate for God to move and why church is just kind of like a hobby or a pastime for you is because you've got a lot going on in your life. And I would just urge you to not be of the 380 or the majority that's not waiting for God to move. Or, or maybe, maybe people got burned. Maybe they, they went to the place where all the believers were waiting and then somebody did them wrong and they were like, man, forget God, forget being a part of the movement of God because that person. And I know many people are here and, and you're a part of the burn victims in the church because not everybody in the church represents Christ very well, me included at times. And here's what I've come to find out, that, that the church is not responsible for the evil. It's the people in the church that are responsible for the evil that the church gets blamed for. But the church is the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. And if you're not desperate for God to move because you've been burned by somebody, don't let somebody who did you wrong stop you from being a part of what God wants to do in your life. Or, or maybe, maybe they were too busy, maybe they got burned, or maybe they just got bored. If you come in here and you yawn through service after service and church really isn't your thing, I would challenge that you're not really living for Christ because the most exciting thing that I've ever done in my life, and I've done a lot, is to follow Christ. Like a God of the galaxies working on your behalf. Or maybe you just think that you're too bad. Like maybe these 380, maybe a few of them were like, man, I, I relapsed and I got back involved in this and I can't, God can't use me. You're wrong. If you're here and you don't think you deserve to be here because of something you've done, none of us deserve to be here. If you think that you've got to get something all buttoned up in order to belong, read the Bible. God faithfully takes dysfunctional people 
and he works mightily on their behalf when they surrender to him. Are you desperate for the Holy Spirit? And I don't know about you, but I wanna be a part of the 120 that we're desperate for God to move. Now, if you haven't gotten a vision for the excitement of being a part of the church, let me just kind of conclude with giving you a description of what I believe if somebody was to go like a journalist and they were to go to this first church and they were say, hey, hey, what is this thing? What, what is it really? You know, they were doing an article and, and they interviewed somebody. They're like, well, you know, uh, l- let, me, let me explain it. And they asked the journalist, like, is this a building? No, it's not really a building. Um, is it, what, what exactly is it? is it? Is it a club? No, it's not really a club, but what is it? And, and the person just said, well, let me, let me tell you real quick. This is what the church is. The church is a group of people that are alive, all inspiring, attractive, authentic, aligned, action-oriented, biblical, blessed, bonded, caring, Christ-exalting, committed, a community of friends who are compassionate, connected, consistent, creative, dedicated, devoted, diligent, discerning, disciplined, driven, effective, encouraging, energizing, engaging, evangelistic, exciting, faithful, It's a family. It's people who are friends with one another. They're focused on what God wants. Is that it? No, no, we're fun, fired up, godly, generous, growing, humble, hungry, holy, hospitable, Holy Spirit dependent, inspiring, intentional, intimate, intense, joyful, Jesus-loving, like-minded, loyal, magnetic, miraculous, motivated, neighborly, people who are obedient Wow, that's something like I would want to be a part. I'm not done yet, or ordained, open, others-minded, passionate, powerful, praising, prayerful, proactive, productive, pure, purposeful, real, radical, redeemed, relationally-minded, relevant, respected, sacrificial, saved, selfless, scripture-loving, servant-hearted, single-minded, sold-out, spirit-led, sincere, tenacious, teachable, transformed, trustworthy, thankful, unified, unselfish, unspoiled, unwavering, unstoppable, wholehearted, wonderful, wise, worshiping people. That's what the church is. And if you have in your mind anything other than that, and you want to be a part of what God is doing, then let's build this church. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, I thank you just for the opportunity to be a part of your body, to be a part of your church. God, that you saved a sinner like me, and then you gave me a, a pathway and a purpose in my life. And God, I thank you for those that have gone before me, that have given me vision for what it looks like to faithfully follow you, for the sacrifices and the blood that has been shed in our past, for people that laid down their life for what they believed in you. And God, I pray that you would find us faithful and follow you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, hey, hey guys. Thank you so much. I just want to give you a couple of opportunities to respond. First of all, there's a response team up here. If you don't know Christ and you want to know Christ, come talk to one of these men or women. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you. If you or if you have any questions just at large of what it looks like to navigate this in your life, come talk to one of these men or women. And then also, if you're here and you're on the fringes and you're trying to get connected, go to the next steps desk in the lobby, and we would love to help you get more information about how you can be a part of, a, of Abundant Life. Let's go be the church. You guys have an incredible week of worship. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. 
We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.